This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. At your Nutrient Ag Solutions Retail, we take seeds seriously. Getting it right for your farm requires the right knowledge. That's why we operate the largest retail seed trial program in Western Canada. Our local experts can provide you with advice for balancing maturity with disease traits and getting the best seed to your crop. After all, we take your harvest seriously too. Talk to your local retail today or visit NutrientAgSolutions.ca. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. My name is Stephanie Crowley, and I'm here with Perry Ross, who is a forage product line representative with Nutrient Egg Solutions and Proven Seed. Hi, Perry. Thanks for joining us today, all the way from Lethbridge. Yes. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Well, it's great to chat with you. Uh, we're going to get into a great discussion about forages, but first, um, I wondered if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Perry, and, and uh, a bit about what your role entails and how long you've been working in forages and, and a little background info. Absolutely. Yes. My name is, uh, as you mentioned, is Perry Ross. I uh, live and work in Lethbridge, Alberta. I've been uh, in the forage industry for the last 35 years. I've worked exclusively uh, with forages uh, through all all the time and uh, with Nutrient Egg Solutions and Proven Seed. Excellent. So forages are an important crop uh, for a lot of folks to consider. I'm sure, especially where you are in Alberta, there uh, it's a it's a popular a popular choice for a lot of producers, um, especially all of our our livestock growers um, and producers there. So, um, why do you think forages are important? What what should uh, why should growers consider incorporating forages into their rotations? I sure do. Um, obviously, being in the in the industry for thirty five years, but um, forages in rotation really simply um, help with soil health and soil quality. Uh, the awareness today is around soil health is really becoming an important part of the conversation with most producers. Um, forages uh, and a forage stand provides continuous uh, root uh, living roots, uh, ground cover, uh, improved organic matter. Uh, that guys are seeing. Uh, we've seen positive results on good cropland, and we've seen even uh, particularly better results on marginal land uh, from rotating forages through their uh, rotation. Other uh, really good and key benefits include increased fertility when legumes are used. Uh, water filtration and internal drainage uh, really is a big part in some of the hard pan type soils. Um, also, uh, disease levels can be uh, can be curbed uh, by rotating forages for cereal crops that you may be rotating through. And weed populations then can be managed. And then last, but still a very good point is forage roots provide greater, deeper carbon sequestering. So that's really uh, another good benefit long-term. And last but not least, uh, forages can be a cash crop for guys. So it's an alternative today that they should consider forages as, as an option. Yeah, definitely. You've listed so many great benefits there. Um, and we're going to get into those a little bit deeper in some of our questions here. But um, so for someone who, you know, and you mentioned a lot of people are starting to consider adding forages into their rotation, um, even as a cash crop. Uh, but for folks who haven't ever worked with forages before, where would you suggest that they start? What's a what's a good starting point um, in terms of selecting a crop? Um, and just that that kickoff advice uh, to get them off on the right foot? 
That's a great question. So with uh, folks that have never worked or are unfamiliar with uh, working or dealing or planting with forages, uh, plan in advance is really one of the key options that they should be looking at. Um, it can be a bit of a challenge for seed placement, uh, but plan in advance, if at all possible, speak with someone with experience and knowledge. That's really a big factor um, that can help alleviate any issues that you might be running into and or your neighbors. This can lead to maybe uh, equipment sharing, maybe Maybe some custom harvesting and planting uh, somebody that has the equipment that maybe you don't have so and also speak with your nutrient ag solutions rep they're available at any time to walk you through some of the processes as well okay that's a good point um talking about equipment sharing because i know if, especially if it's something new um a lack of resources might be a hindrance to a lot of people right and, and not having the proper equipment to uh, to grow forages and harvest them um, so that's a really good point about uh, involving your neighbors and your peers because I know you know sharing is caring as I like to tell my my little kids but it's true it's nice to be able to rely on on friends when you can well, absolutely. It really is a big benefit because somebody that's been through uh, the planting, because forages are, are a perennial crop, they're not always planted yearly. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something to keep in mind. So a lot of times as people go through the process of, of planting and establishing new forage stands, sometimes you have to relearn or re recall some of the issues that maybe you had in the past. And with that experience, it reconfirms maybe some of the things you can do in advance better uh, to help uh, instate uh, better uh, forage development and establishment, right? So it's, mm -hmm. that's critical. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Going back to, um, again, like when you're starting out, it's, there's so many options to choose from, right? So where can a grower start? How does a producer look, look at the different types of forages to plant for their needs? Um, where, what would you recommend? Where to begin? I would, I would really consider, especially with, uh, with forages and, and today's, uh, land base that guys have, pri prioritize what the end use is. Mm. Um, what are you going to use it for? A lot of producers look at a combination of dual purpose hay or pasture uh, or pasture or hay. But really, at the end of the day, you have to pick one and the other one or the other side of that may be just an added benefit. So prioritize the end use. Regional adaptation is really critical. What grows in the area? How does things perform? That's uh, that's really, again, talking with your neighbors, uh, seeing what, uh, what works for them and maybe how it fits into your management style. And then preference. What do you like and what don't you like in regards to some of the forages? If you have some experience, that's really critical. And then really the soil type and any issues that you may have have in the area that you're planting? Is there something that may inhibit some of the forages from establishing out there? So that helps you in the selection criteria in looking at the forage products that you are going to use or want to use, right? And then legumes. That's really a critical part because of the fact bloat is a concern for hay or pastures, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what percentage of legumes do you want if you want any out there at all? So that's really something you should, uh, you should consider. And last but not least, though, is how long do you want the stand to last? Mm -hmm. um, that is, uh, that is, a real uh, key criteria because of the fact that if you choose uh, strong aggressive sod forming type grasses they can maybe inhibit long-term uh, production in regard to some of the other good species that may be bunch types so all of those really are are key factors in looking in uh, what type of forages you should be uh, you should be selecting 
Yeah, absolutely. I think going back to what you had said earlier about the amount of planning that needs to be done, right? And and just having those conversations with your advisors and your friends, and um, that makes a big difference. Uh, but the end use portion of that is something that's really um, important, I think, to keep in mind. What are you actually growing these for? Um, what are the reasons for that? So um, maybe we can get into a little bit about that end use a little more um, when we talk about growing forages alongside other crops um, and, and really getting into the details of what those end uses are. So are there other crops that forages can be grown alongside? Um, can you, you know, can you get into a little more specifics on that? I sure can. We do see a, we do see this happen quite often, just from the simple fact that uh, with, uh, with a companion crop, um, forages are not typically recommended to be planted with a companion crop, just because of the fact that it's a perennial crop, you're really trying to establish a good root system the first year. Mm-hmm. With saying that, though, and I totally understand what producers are looking at because of the fact that they need some type of feed source off there, they might have some erosion issues out there. Um, so using a companion crop is not recommended, but it's often used. So if you are going to use a companion crop, please consider reducing the planting rate of the companion crop uh, down to about 10 to 15 pounds per acre and take the companion crop off as a green feed or as a silage. Really, that's one of the key points if you can do that, because taking it off as a green feed or silage, you promote better root development off of the perennial forages that are growing underneath that, because that's really what you're trying to accomplish the first year. And then you remove any of the annual weeds that may be out in the stand as well. So it's it does help to a certain extent, but just understand understand the pros and cons of using a companion crop. Okay. So let's talk about some of the benefits that forages can bring uh, to your crop rotation. And you've already covered some of them, but let's get into that a little more um, in terms of, you know, your soil health and uh, uh, using forages on, on saline land and, and what, what benefits can a forage crop bring um, in the long term? some of those lasting benefits to your, your land and your rotation. Well, really, you're using uh, forages in rotation, advancing soil health benefits really is, again, one of the key points. Uh, soil organisms are increased, insects, earthworms, improved ecosystems below ground really contribute to better, healthier soil, better uh, use of, of fertility and, uh, and healthier organisms in regard to other crops that you will maybe rotate out of the, out of the when forages come out of production. Legumes is another really important rotation if they are used. Um, looking at using a tap-rooted alfalfa, the root system goes deeper in the soil profile, penetrating maybe the hard pan eight to nine feet down, utilizing maybe some of the uh, fertility that's lower in the soil, allowing moisture penetration to filter down if you're having any water, standing water issues. Um, there's really a lot of long-term benefits from uh, from utilizing a forages over, over a rotating period. And then looking at it from a from a legume standpoint an example is a no-till removal of a five-year-old alfalfa stand Um, basically what you consider uh, nitrogen for the next two following crop years is really not going to be required realistically Mm -hmm. depending on depending on the stand of alfalfa that you originally had but um, and then you're going to see long-term lasting uh, increased yields and uh, quality of the subsequent crops following uh, using forages in your rotation Excellent. And, you know, I think across the prairies in the last year, we, we, we've we uh, obviously have not had ideal growing conditions um, and uh, lots of 
uh, drought and, and heat stress uh, that have happened. Um, so I think, you know, coming back and trying to do whatever we can to revive that land and, and really bring health back into the soil and, and uh, make the most of what we have is probably going to be really top of mind for a lot of producers going into the 2022 season. So there are always risks with uh, trying something new. Um, and I know that can be a hindrance sometimes, but hopefully, you know, the benefits outweigh the risk. But let's be transparent and talk about a, a little bit of the pitfalls associated with forage crops. And and maybe there's some uh, tips that you can share and, and things to be mindful of uh, if, if producers are considering planting a forage uh, for next spring. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, there are, there are indeed. Um, looking at, as we talked about earlier, was planning ahead, uh, using some of that experience. That's really critical, right? Mm -hmm. But moisture is going to be a limitation. It's going to be the biggest risk that you're going to run into. You can't control control conditions after you plant the forages. Like mm -hmm. it or not, you've, uh, you're at the mercy of Mother Nature at that point. Some of the things that you can control, though, and some of the pitfalls that you should consider is um, seedbed condition, making sure that your seedbed uh, condition is really firm and packed uh, where you're going to be planting the forages and increase or manage the soil to seed contact um, because of the fact that seed forage seed tends to be fairly small uh, it needs to make sure that you have good soil to seed contact and good compaction so the seed emerges and germinates and utilizes the moisture that is available that you have and then in crop weed control is really non um, available to a lot of uh, a lot of mixed crops um, it's a little bit more of a challenge to manage any of those annual weeds uh, so dealing with them prior to is really going to be something again that if you plan ahead um, you won't have to have such a big of an issue in regard to dealing with uh, weeds that you already have in the stand at once you plant your forages Okay, all good tips. It sounds like planning ahead is just kind of the theme of our episode this this week, but uh, it's true. It, it, all of those decisions, a lot of those, um, you know, a lot of the knowledge can be found in advance and and to really set you up for success. So, uh, you know, looking at looking at all of the options and and doing your research and and chatting with uh, your you know your trusted contacts, I think, really makes a difference um, in in taking a risk of of trying something new like this. I, I do agree because of the fact that you have a perennial crop versus an annual crop. Annual crops, mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier to get on board and manage with what you have uh, mm -hmm. today. Perennial crop is going to be a longer term type process. So yeah. if you can establish it correctly, manage the weeds in advance, have the proper fertility in place, the health and the yield uh, components that are going to be paid back to you will, will be considerable. Um, so yeah, planning is really a critical point. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of work in the in the beginning, and and hopefully that pays off in the long term. So mm -hmm. that's great. Um, one uh, other question I wanted to chat with you about, Perry, is uh, using forages on on saline land. What can forages do to to maybe uh, make use of those those patches of saline land? That, that again, that's another good question, and I really like that question because of the fact that if producers are even considering the option, um, that's a great first step. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of guys that have some of these areas tend to just look at it from year to year and maybe not do anything about it. But if you're actually considering doing something about it, I mean, really considering forages as the first step is, is fantastic. And I applaud you for that because of that fact that dealing with these areas, selecting the right species is going to be critical for these areas. Mm -hmm. 
second to none. There are great species out there today that can establish and grow in these saline areas and benefit you from a hay perspective or a pasture ground cover perspective. That is really going to be critical. So saline areas and patches can up to quite a few more acres than you think out there. Uh, when you start adding up all the low spots or the areas that are, are not as productive as you would like with your annual crops. So allowing foxtail barley and kosher to flourish, um, you have the ability to stop this from happening and encroaching into your surrounding annual cropland. And you also have the ability by establishing forages in these areas from shrinking the size of these saline areas that maybe are, aren't as productive as you would like. And maybe at some point down the road, you can turn them around and start farming them again in years, you know, five or six down, down the road. Okay. So it's, it's, it really is quite important. And I really applaud guys if they're looking at that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Perry, this has been a really informative chat. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to just uh, add in any final words of advice or, or tips for, for producers uh, who are considering or, or, you know, maybe well already uh, have some well-established forage crops that, uh, that, you know, any, any last words of wisdom for that? Well, you know, just from my experience, forages are, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart, but they are a great opportunity for a lot of producers to manage and rotate through their farms and get some benefits for the above ground yield growth and for the below ground benefits that uh, potentially can improve their soil health. It's, uh, it's not something that you have to leave in for 15 or 20 years anymore, um, like our forefathers used to do, because mm. of the fact that today, with the equipments that we have and, and the processes and the demand in regard to the feeds and the annual crop yields, um, you can shorten the rotation. And, and that's okay because of the fact that, you know, there are still some good benefits. We understand the benefits. And uh, I, just, I just want guys to consider forages as an option. And you don't have to plant huge amount of acres if you start small and uh, work your way into utilizing them as effectively as you can. Mm -hmm. Then I think it's a win-win for everybody. That's great. Well, excellent. Uh, appreciate your time, Perry, and your and your advice. And uh, best of luck to producers who are considering uh, growing a forage crop next year. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.